This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones, Sam Carroll and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and look ahead to tomorrow's return to Goodison uh, with the visit of promoted Sheffield United on the agenda today. Uh, Luckman, Jaggy Elkabesic, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and uh, if we have time towards the end, a look at potential youngsters and if Everton can uh, have some of that magic dust that seems to be sprinkled on Chelsea and Arsenal in the past seven days with youth-inspired victories. Um, but let's let's start with um, a story that many of you were reading uh, earlier in the week. Michael Silver opening up on the decision to sell Adamola Luckman, uh, admitted he did not want to sell the winger, but ultimately the winger forced the club's hand in many ways, insisting that he, rem- he remained insistent he wanted to leave. And obviously when... An offer came in for RB Leipzig. It became a business decision and the club decided that uh, overall it was the best call to sell him. And given that it's come to light, Adam, that, that Marco didn't want to sell the player from, from a technical point of view, as he says, mm. is it still the right call to have, have, have cashed in? Uh, yeah, I think what we ended up with was better. I think if, you, if you're looking at it, it's a straight swap for Alex Awobi. I think Alex Awobi offers more in the Premier League. He's only a tiny bit older, but he's got wealth, more Premier League experience. So I think ultimately, yeah. And, uh, you know, as Silver said, you know, Luckman made it quite clear, quite clear, not even last summer, the summer before, that he wanted to leave the club. Uh, and then he, he all, like, whenever we were talking to him last season, he always gave the impression that Luckman needed to be a bit more consistent uh in his training program, and you know, when you've got a, when you've got a player like that who you know he's obviously got bags and bags of talent, and I've got no doubt that he's going to be able to show it in the Bundesliga. But when you've got a player who doesn't put that effort in in training, maybe uh, on a consistent sort of basis, and can't force his way into it into the team, you know, for large periods of last season, Theo Walcott wasn't in form, but he still couldn't muscle Theo Walcott out of the team because Theo Walcott is you know ultimately a an extremely good professional uh, so that stuff like that is you can't help but be a little bit concerned by it and you know when Leipzig come in with such a good offer for a player who's only going to be sitting on the bench then I think it's it's only right that it does become a business decision and then I, th- I think ultimately Everton have reinvested that money really really well and I think Alex Iwobi is only going to go on to prove much better than Luchman so yeah I think it's absolutely the right decision the thing, the thing is is that you know, he, he burst onto the scene. Man City was his debut, wasn't it? When he scored, yeah. you know, and you scored with almost your first touch. And, and obviously, you know, it, it, it might now looking back almost have proved to have been something of a of an albatross around his neck in terms of the weight of expectation they had to carry. But then it was just what three, three seasons of kind of maybe wouldn't be fair to say stagnation, but but in terms of you know, there was never any any progression. You know, you'd see a few signs and a few flickers that he, he was going to burst into life and do something, but, but he never did. And I think the big the biggest thing is that you look and you think, you know, you, you had Koeman and you had Allardyce and you, and you had Silva, who all didn't pick him and, and all seemed to have a problem with giving him a consistent run of football. And I think people also forget that, you know, barring the final few games of the season in the Bundesliga when he went on that loan to Leipzig. He wasn't a regular starter until one of the attackers got sent off and he, he kind of got a place by default. And fair enough, you know, he did do 
okay. I don't think he done as well as some people think he did. And he's obviously done well enough with, with what he showed and his attitude over in Germany that, that Leipzig have decided to spend 25 million on him. But I think, you know, you can't wait and wait and wait. And I think what was kind of um, pointed from Silva was that, you know, we are still, you know, as Adam says, we've brought in a good replacement. And, and what is the point in, in if a player is coming to you who hasn't performed, who isn't doing it, who isn't exactly setting the world alight, keeps coming and telling you I still want to leave and I still want to go. And you get an offer that, was in the ballpark of what probably most of us would have valued and valued matters. It made no sense from, from any angle to keep him. And, and I've said it for, since probably the day we sold him, I think he'll, he'll either kind of find his feet and, and explode onto the scene and, and maybe we, we could regret it or he, he, he won't do, I don't think he's the kind of player who's just going to kind of middle of the road and have a, a, a fairly average career. I think he'll either kind of be back in, in England in a few years, maybe playing in the championship or something like that, or he'll, win the Ballon d'Or or something like that. That'd be Evans luck, wouldn't it, for him to, to do that? But yeah, at the moment, I just think I, I never personally seen anything apart from brief, brief, brief flashes that never kind of turned into consistency from, from Adam O'Luckman. Do you have any counter viewpoint on, on the decision? Um, for the change now, I agree that has been said there. It's just a it's business decision. But what, what I'm fascinated about that is, is did Silver elaborate on his reasons why he wanted to keep him? Bear in mind, last season he hardly, hardly played him. He still believes that yeah. he's a talented player. St- said it says in the interview that he still believes he's he'll go on and have a very good career. Yeah. Um, okay. And wanted, uh, you know, and, and I sort of said to him, you know, did he feel it was in any way a defeat because he'd not been able to get any consistency out of him, yeah. etc. And he said, you know, he had been hoping to get another season, you know, chipping away, if you like, and and, yeah. and, and working on on this young player. He had a lot of faith in, but yeah. So it was the other one. It was a nailsman said they've not played him this season because it was all Everton's fault last year as well. It was another mm-hmm. interesting uh, yeah. angle on it, wasn't it? Yeah, I can, I can agree with what the lad said. It's a big business decision. Didn't do enough apart from his goal in his first game. I don't think he's a silver type of player in terms of like his his aptitude and pressing. You know, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a player when that he you know that he get in the opposition defenders' faces uh, and a lot of the time I see players playing too deep anyway on the right. You know, more often not you see him by our fullback. Waiting, you know, so waiting to get the ball in those yeah, positions. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and it should be further up the pitch. So no, uh, no complaints from me on his sale. Uh, and I am disappointed that he never fulfilled his potential. That maybe when he seen him when we got him from Charlton and, and that goal, thinking oh we could have something. Somebody special here, and it, it, it was quite clear. What, what game do we talk about when we talk about Luckman? Uh, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, 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 Middlesbrough when he missed those chances, yeah. And he got some tough love on uh, by Ronald afterwards, and uh, I think it was all mm. downhill from from then on. And they're very disappointed. And we said it, we said a million times on the podcast. He was telling, wasn't it? There was also there was in his first summer ever, which is summer of two thousand and seventeen. Was rumours then, wasn't it? That actually he was unhappy. Yeah. And like that, he was maybe linked to a move away as early as then. That actually, you know, there was, it never come out why. And when that happens with a play, you're thinking, well, he's not going to be hanging around it longer, you know. I think and the, it's proved. the pointed thing for me as well, it always stood out was, I think it might have been you spoke to Silver Phil when, you know, he kind of made a point of saying he wasn't consistent enough in training. And I think most of the time, you know, it's very rare that a manager comes out and kind of directly say something like that about a, a, a pretty young player and, and, and for me that was when alarm bells really started ringing and, and maybe I thought he wasn't going to be the player we, we turned out to be because you know for a young lad surely every day when you get out there and training and, you, and you're not in the team you, you're busting the gut to, to get in there and, and, and you know really trying to show why why you should be playing and 
for a manager like Marco Silva, who clearly has such an emphasis kind of on what happens on the training pitch, to come out and basically say, well, he basically doesn't look bothered when some days when we go into training, he doesn't show it enough, something along those lines. It's it's concerning, isn't it? But well, he's using that as a motivational tool, I would imagine, isn't yeah, it? Really? So. To, get a, to, get a, to get a performance out yeah. of him in training, about strange statements. Do but we have any, I've got a problem with that. Do we have any issue with the 12-month swing from the football club with Luckman in terms of summer of 2018, the message in neon lights outside Goodison Park was he is not for sale. Yeah. From Marcel Brands, from the manager, and then in 12 months' time, it's just it's gone the other side. He is for sale now. No, because the opportunities were there for him. Okay. It's, it's not as if he he never got a chance at all. Yeah. I think there's, there was one point last season, he came on in the Anfield derby. Mm. I think he looked really impressive. And then our next game was against Newcastle at home. And he started in that game. And I remember thinking before the game, this is it. This is his chance now. If he impresses in this game, it's th- 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 this, could be, yeah. this could be him now. Like He pushes Walcott out the team and that's it. And then he, he just had a, a bit of a a bit of a bland game I think the rest of the team did really but you know he just didn't he just didn't take that chance by the scruff yeah. of the neck at all and I think I think ultimately over the course of that year whenever he got his chances yes he did show it in flashes but he just didn't he just didn't show it consistently enough and yeah. I think that that's the thing that'll probably be Aiken Silver the most now to be honest because this is a player who's obviously very talented and he's still so young you know the we don't know where he's going to go in the future. He, he has the potential to turn himself into a really, really quality footballer. And as I say, I wouldn't be surprised to see him succeed in the in the Bundesliga. Maybe not to the level that Jadon Sancho has, but you know, following that similar sort of pathway uh, to the top in the Bundesliga. And that that will be the thing that irks him the most. Like all all Luckman needed to do was take those sort of chances when they were handed to him last season. Mm. And he could have been achieving that at Everton. Like he used to say, he couldn't have, you know, ousted Walcott from the team or, and, you know, been, maybe he was, would have been the one rather than Bernard being, being, uh, starting those games where Everton were really strong towards the end of last season. But ultimately, he just didn't take that chance at all. It could go that way or the other way. It could be if you if you don't progress as a, as a player. And I know he's gone. You got a selling clause with him, by the way. Couldn't tell you to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure um, about that. I think we may may have. Um, if you're not if you're not progressed between eighteen and twenty one, becomes a very difficult thing then to try and get back to where you were and you know nearly twenty years. So, I think he's going to find it tough to be honest with you. Uh, albeit did have a decent record last year, because I think he he probably look back in three years time, four years time, and think God didn't half waste me eighteen to twenty one years when I had a chance to establish mm. myself. I think I think he'll I think it'll be one of those who'll regret it. What um, I, I mean, we can only only kind of read between the lines. What do you think is the, the appeal of going to play in Germany? Because Adamola clearly five months there, fell in love with the place, want, immediately wanted to stay. John Joe Kenny this week in an interview with the Athletic has spoken about how much he's enjoying his time in Germany. What do we think it, it is about about going over there as a young player? <sighs> Not sure, to be honest. Like, a lot of them seem to mention the fans. I think mm. the fans play an absolutely massive part. They're real football fans over in Germany, aren't they? Uh, so, so what's the difference we see playing? You think there's too much pressure from or expectancy from the fans? Is that what, is that what you think? Is that what the difference? Maybe in England, <sighs> I end up talking about expectancy. <sighs> it's a tricky one. It, it, it really I, is I, a I tricky one. Intri- it just it intrigues me. Yeah, yeah, it is a good question. 
think and, more game time would be the obvious yeah. one. Mm. And, and, you know, I think it probably depends on different players, to be yeah. honest with you, and their, their careers. Is there, is, there, is there a different culture with managers and and, yeah. and, and pressure? Well, yeah. I think there's maybe less of a spotlight on the Bundesliga in that sort of sense, isn't it? Because you know the Premier League is the biggest league in the world. There's so much money involved. Ultimately, that just leads to more pressure on the pitch and off the pitch. And managers not of, giving youngsters, maybe yeah, exactly. Much so time the, to the, play, the, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more risks involved if you were going to try and bring a youngster through. If you were in the Premier League now, than maybe if you were in the Bundesliga, because we yeah. see we we see that. Just that little bit less pressure there. I'm not, I'm not sure. German football, and you've seen it in the national teams and like their their age teams, tends to have far more capable of developing and training young younger players, and that's been the case for for many years now. I mean, German coaches don't like our academy football. Mm. They call it false football, right? You know, they would far have it younger players developing within within the first team team structure I think that's one of the reasons I think younger players are more inclusive within the first team uh, and that's why <laughs> I haven't said that that's why isn't it outside the World Cup finals the most foreign scouts you'll see anywhere in the world is a Premier League Academy matches at elite level oh yeah isn't it because they're looking for the top players that they'll know probably won't get into a Man City or Chelsea but actually will play in the Bundesliga and stuff and, and they don't like academy football the way it's organised in this country and so they're far more capable I think and a lot more time in terms of developing younger talent within the frame framework of a, of a first team and a first team squad and that's why they get more game time and so I think that that's one of the other uh, one of the reasons why you'd want to play there Interesting Okay moving on in the uh Second part of Did Everton Get It Right? Um, this podcast. <laughs> all things. This is going to be a three hour podcast, is it, Phil? <laughs> <Berlin, yeah. laughs> Shouting yeah. all the way back to 1870. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, should never have left Anfield. Given, yeah, given, given what's happened since the summer um, and where we are now, were, were the club correct in allowing Phil Jagielka to leave? <sighs> I think ultimately, no. I, th- I think they've been proven wrong in that sort of sense. I think at the time that they did it, they were probably right because I think they were probably fair to assume that they probably would have got at least one centre-back in, if not, fingers crossed, two at the time. You know, we left uh, towards the end of June, early July. Just before the contract was up, yeah. Yeah, so at that time you were thinking to yourself, oh yeah, there's there's still time here to be able to bring in maybe one or two quality centre-backs and, you know, Ultimately, I think at the time there wouldn't have been many people arguing with the decision, but as it as it transpired, without bringing a centre back in, it'd be nice to be able to you know have an experienced head in terms of Phil Jagielka on the bench. Like not to say that Mason Holgate couldn't be a really good option for the future. Like he's another one who I think could have a lot of potential in the future. But I think in certain Premier League games I'd rather be calling on a Phil Jagielka rather than a Mason Holgate at the minute mm. Sam any any feelings on, on on the decision I think it's like the, the Luckman thing isn't it you know where you say you know the, the 12 month period and, and at the end of the day in football things change don't they and, and as Adam's just said then you know what seems like a cracking decision back in the summer when you're like you know you've got his wages off the wage bill he, he wasn't probably the Phil Jagielka from a few years ago we'll go and get Zuma we'll go and get this fellow, and then a few weeks later, you're like, oh crap, we're going to sign Marcus Rocco, and then we don't even <laughs> sign him. And, and then you're left with three centre-backs, Lewis Gibson, Morgan Feeney, and, and you're probably thinking, you know, why not? But I just don't think anyone would have expected the summer now to unfold as it has. And 
you know, I think we said on, on the last podcast, it's very it's just very rags to rich, riches, whatever, and in kind of the blink of an eye in terms of, you know, we were all kind of singing, singing the praises a few weeks ago. You know, we, we'd gotten over that little blip at Villa and responded well and Keane and Mina were playing well and it was all great. And one game and, in, in, you know, a few minutes of football and a few mistakes is just kind of, again, now you're thinking, are they good enough? Are, are we going to be okay with three centre-backs? You know, if one of them gets injured, then Mason Holgate comes in. So... So right now you're probably sitting here now and just thinking, you know, f- from looking at what Jags has said, he, he would have loved to have stayed at the club and maybe would have even taken reduced terms to, to stay at Everton and uh, and stay stay at the club where, where he'd been for over 10, yeah, more than 10 years. So, yeah, nearly 12 years, yeah. So yeah, with, with hindsight, it was a mistake, but if we all had hindsight, mm. I suppose we'd be... Premier League champions a million times over. Gavin, in terms of kind of balance, the richest club in the land have been left with as many options in terms of centre-halves <laughs> yeah, as true, we yeah, have. Yeah. Admittedly, they've got yeah. three senior centre-halves and, and, yeah. and a bit more experience than, than than Mason Holgate. But does that point to a situation that actually the market, if you like, for, for quality centre-halves was was difficult and perhaps more difficult than, than many of us had appreciated? Yeah, and then trying to get one. Actually, identifying your target and then bringing, bringing yeah. one in is, is, is there's two aspects to that, isn't it? Really, so yeah, absolutely, definitely. I think in Jack's case, it's, it's if you decide we're going to get another centre half in, yeah, Jack, you're okay to go. Mm. Said we're not going to get another centre half. No, think Jack, I think you better stay, you know, because we are, even though he's, he's thirty seven, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Jack, but he could certainly do certainly do a job as a you know in, in a few Premier League games. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of them. One of them positions that's becoming. I don't know if it's because of trends in football, but there's a lot of clubs, isn't it? We've got struggles with mm. centre halves. Um, not just not just uh, City, Man United have had well, all, yeah. all sorts of problems. And for had the to last, spend last few years. eighty million yeah. quid on Harry yeah, Maguire. Not, not necessarily somebody you're talking at the top, you know, top level of centre halves even. Um, so yeah, I think I think it is. Um, you would lie. When was lying on there? It was Brands pulling there. A foreign rabbit out of the hat, mm. you know, but that didn't happen. And I think uh, we are we are exposed in that position. And you know, I don't want to go over previous ground because I think you spoke about it in the early, pod early in the week. Is that the big thing for me this season in terms of progressing? The only way we progressed this season with the the I felt the most important thing was that me and Keane got a relationship at centre half straight away. Do you think like Keane and Zuma? Do, do you had, think they've got it? Um, that's a very good question, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, it's a work in progress, shall we say. Mm. But it certainly haven't hit the ground uh, running, uh, as has been seen in, that, in a couple of games. It's just hard, isn't it? Because yeah. like even, you know, again, like kind of what we spoke about the other day, but, you know, you, you beat Sheffield United, and I don't know however unlikely this is, but we win the next three games in the week. You know, you, you get a result against Man City at home, and it all seems great again, doesn't it? But it, it's just, and, and Keane and Mean then will probably be getting lauded, but... I think not having that that body like a Jagielka to kind of come in if it's not working. And I know we've got Holgate, but I just don't think he's as proven. It's probably what is worrying people at the moment, isn't it? You know, if if one of them's if one of their form does dip, you are just kind of left with a gaping well, hole. Or, 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 sorry, or, sorry, Phil, or in, or injured as well. Well, well I think I think thing, what, yeah. Sam's um, fallen on the point that I, I I wanted to make, and I was having a conversation with somebody at Bournemouth on Sunday saying, look, heaven forbid. They get injured, Mina and Keane, and look, and we all want Holgate to, to progress and become the type of defender. You know, he has shown glimpses that he could be, but we've spoke about injuries and suspension. But what we haven't accounted for is the fact that Marco perhaps is going to be more reluctant to take a 
one of Keane and Mina out, even if they've dropped off in form. Absolutely, we've got no options. Because I mean, last season it would have been, right, Zoom, you're in, or Mina, you're yeah, in. Mm. Yeah, and... Or Jags in you. Exactly, yeah, and, yeah, and what know. I'm saying is the decision, with all the respect to Mason, isn't quite as clear cut, yeah. is it? Uh, no, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to be a, a, a fly on the wall, well, in, in terms of any conversation between brands and silver in terms of transfers, it'd be quite nice to be a fly on the wall. But it'd be quite nice to be a fly on the wall for like their discussions over which centre-back uh, Everton should have been bringing in over the summer because the only one who seemed to really be strongly linked was Zuma until de- deadline day, of course, when Rojo came around. Well, I, be- I believe Tamori was, was being lined up. Um, I don't know whether mm. it was he was going to be... A, an addition to mm. to a senior centre back, but obviously I think with David Luiz going to Arsenal, which surprised many of us. I think they knocked that on the head, and mm. you know he's he's in the team. I think it's just, it, it is just interesting though because it like it'd be interesting to know how hamstrung we were in terms of in terms of targets because you know as as Gav was saying, like it can't be easy to be identifying not only well not only just identifying a top centre back these days who fits you know our criteria in terms of, you know, play and style, age, uh, all that sort of manner. Like, it, the, the, that probably reduces our options quite significantly, I'd say. And yeah. then being able to bring that player in as well. Like, you know, we're, we're looking towards, you know, January in the summer uh, in terms of saving us really in this position, but it's not going to get any easier. Like, no. in, Jan- in January, like, you, you can uh, uh, you can probably just say, yeah, add five mil onto Whatever, yeah. whatever was being asked in the summer. I, I definitely going back on Adam's point, I definitely like to be in a flat on the wall when Marco found out that he hadn't got another centre half. Mm. <laughs> End of the transfer event. I thought that that could have been a very uh, awkward yeah. conversation. And I'll, I'll invoke my 2015 summer off. You know, thing yes, here, which yeah, I was doing yeah, this yeah. as well. That Martin has never recovered in 2015. Getting another two centre halves and only bringing one in. He was insistent. And, yeah, and that the whole 15, 16 season. We ended up, and as you know, ended up playing Bessie to McCarthy and Anfield, wasn't it, centre-half, because we didn't have any spare spare centre-halves. And, and I think um, Crazy. there's a danger here. There's a danger here that, you know, that history could repeat itself. And being serious, that either through injury or poor form. Nice and positive, Gav. It's true, though, isn't it? It's true. I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm not, I'm not, it's going to get that bad. Well, we well, don't know. Well, they don't know. We don't. I, I know what you're saying, and and I hope I hope me, me and Keane have a good, you know, develop their partnership. But Holgate to me, Holgate to me is another one of the the, the Luckman. He's had like three years. I mean, Holgate made his debut in sixteen, was it? Mm. For three years. So in those three years, he's played fifty games, something like that. I can't remember. So has he? Has he? Has he developed his career path? where you can say now he's going to be a fully developed and fully rounded Premier League player now. Mm. I think and it's that, worth just issue. just worth mentioning on that, Gav, actually. That's um, not Chris and Mason, by the way. No. And, and, I'm and, just saying yeah. that's part of our problem as centre-half. Yes, and what I wanted to, to add to balance uh, to say that um, I, I understand it that we sent him on loan to West Brom yeah. and the agreement with West Brom was, yes, he will play centre-half yeah. and then Darren Moore gets the chop 
And then the new manager goes, no, you're playing fullback. Yeah. So I don't think Everton were overly impressed by that because they've therefore just wasted six months. Yeah, we've been better down Belfield Lane and the say a little bit more and stuff. Yeah. Belfield, that was no good. That was a bad thing. Excuse me, manager. That comes from the 60s podcast yesterday. That has come out. Yeah, Phil, it's all about Belfield. But you know, we have got issues haven't we? Mm. we? They're at risk of injury out on poor form leaves us exposed. Mm. And because as, as I'm said, there's no guarantee that we'll, we'll rectify things in January. And so that's a nearly concern I've got on the for us at the moment. I think it's almost, an, and not to hark back in, in a kind of modern way, but you never used to appreciate, especially under David Moyes, that kind of like solidity we had. And we and we did always have options and, and Jag Elk and Distan at a point just seemed like they were going to go on forever and and, you know, apart from a couple of games that kind of stand out in the memory, you know, we didn't really have that many defences, defensive horror shows in, in in seemingly what has become quite regular for Everton now, especially in away days. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because now, you know, especially, you know, there's that kind of Virgil van Dijk factor happening where teams now know if they've got a centre-back who influences matches and shores up a back line, it's not even an extra five, ten million on anymore, you know. These well, defenders yeah, go for yeah. upwards of but 50, 60 million pounds. Well, isn't that as, and I think Gavin mentioned it, I think we'd mentioned it earlier, isn't that the issue facing Marcel and, and the football club in that, using the two examples, Liverpool went and spent 75 million pounds to rectify their centre of defence and, have, have, you know, he's, he's a top player, isn't he? United have spent 80 million pounds to find what they've considered the best available option. I don't know what Chelsea would have sold Zuma for, but we put most, if not all, our eggs in that basket. How how far should the football club be willing to go in terms of spending money on 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 a centre half, or or do we have to trust a bit like signing Moise Keane, a bit like signing Gabamin, signing younger players at a for transfer fee and wages that are of a, of a certain level? I almost think the way they've done it this summer, maybe it's still a midfielder, like, but depending on how it looks next summer. You know the way we've kind of built that attacking structure and and the players we have there, then you probably could afford to say we're just going to sign one player this summer and it's going to be a centre back. And whether he costs us, if he's an up and coming one who, who's been identified by the scouting network for fifteen million, or whether it's Kertuma for fifty million, then we go out and we we, we get him and, and we get the best available option. But again. It's all going to depend on circumstance and what happens and who stays and who goes. Well, what, yeah. And also, what do we think? Because somebody made a really interesting point to me in, in the closing days of the window about about Tamori, and they said, "Why, why should Everton take a young player from a rival Premier League club to potentially improve him for twelve months and not have no guarantee that they'll be able to sign him at the end of it? Because Chelsea could have gone, and it sounded like it was in the in, yeah, yeah. in the pipe where, yeah, you can have Tamori." Imagine he goes and plays an absolute stunning season for yeah. us. And just, Thanks very much. And we're, we're back it's, it's to square gamble, one. Isn't it? Well, that kind of happened with Zuma, though, didn't yeah. it? Well, uh, yeah, and obviously, it, it, yeah, obviously, we couldn't have we couldn't have foreseen a transfer ban for Chelsea. And I think, yeah. you know, if the trans if they hadn't had a transfer ban, I'd like to think this summer would have worked out a tiny bit differently. Things but, can change over the year, year over the season, can't they? Yeah, Lukaku would be a prime example of that, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Took a young player who. Looked as how you'd probably go back at the end of it. Developed them perfectly over the twelve months. Needed to be kept them anyway. But I do, I do think that centre half issue has sort of been lost. I think. Yeah. Um, what I would say again about the summer though, when we talk about buying a centre half, is we may not be able to afford it. 
Well, this is the thing. You know, we don't know what Chelsea were. So that, that's the other thing as well. So we maybe wanted to bring in a top centre-half, but as you just saying, they cost a lot of money. Live within our means. may have just thought, well, actually, we need to send another other part. And Marcel was not willing to, yeah, yeah, to it, compromise it, on what he's, he, ultimately his his yeah, goal is, is so to reduce I wages. I that would like to have heard the conversation between Brands and Silver, over mm. Silver not having the centre-half, but there might not have been a conversation. It might have been... Marcel, I'm, I'm, I'm telling I'm, you, I'll give up at a, a centre half if you can get me another striker. Yeah, yeah, and that may be in the conversation that they had. So maybe I'm misreading. And Interesting. When, when I was researching the article the other day, I found out that Antle you research articles, do yeah? Antoine Alcaraz is a free agent. Is he? Yeah. Wow, unattached at the moment. So. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if we have to, still can't register him. Can we not? No. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> January. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, yeah, anyway. wasn't it? The Alcaraz years, yeah. There's a pot in that, itself. That own goal against Southampton was possibly the worst moment ever because we just had to beat them, didn't we? And we had four, four. pretty much lined up. Yeah. And then Kiev, I, I, Kiev was slightly worse. I think, look, I think I think Antolin probably, as ever in these things, probably gets a... It doesn't get a fair uh, you know, yeah. crack of the whip, but yeah. equally... I, I don't think anybody would disagree that the decision to play him in Kiev in the second leg over John Stones, who had been out through illness for a missed a game, but yeah. had been playing pretty well, was was uh, was just, the wrong call. I was going to mention it because we play City next week, but mm. we're talking about former centre halves. Yeah, you remember like the, when Stones went, the general impression was, oh, we've got to go to Manchester City. Pep will really develop into the centre half that his talent. Yeah. You know, it deserves, deserves him to be at, you know. And it hasn't really happened, does it? Mm. You'd have him back, though. Oh, we well, would have him back. Yeah. But, you know, like when people said, oh, Stone, you know, people from the outside are saying, Stones has got to leave Everton to be this great send Bobby Moore type centre half. Guardiola coaching into him, blah, blah, blah. But it hasn't happened, does it really? I actually think that. Yeah. Next summer, we could end up signing John Stones. You know? I'm not like, you know, you look at this summer. And I know, look, you know, understandable frustrations are high at the minute given the way we defended it, particularly in the last three games and, and the way we defended at the start of last season. But the way we turned it round, and I believe that Silver has improved our defenders largely on the whole, yeah. you actually would look at things yourself, you could work with John Stones. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah big yeah. time. But Ronald, Ronald probably put the yeah. royal class centre half Ronald Koeman. Yeah, you know, and I just thought it was typical sometimes of people's attitude towards Everton that, that we were incapable of bringing mm. forward. It's, of course, ultimately comes down to the stage at which I don't, I don't we think are I don't think people and, were saying we weren't capable of doing that. We we, we got a, we, we got we got a massive football, fee for did, a player who didn't want to be with us anymore, did, and yeah. he was going to Pep Guardiola, who yeah. is the best manager in the world. Yeah, the, the influence was though was that Guardiola would take Stones forward to become a great centre-half that his talents probably you know, should should match or whatever. And that, that hasn't happened, has it? Just because just it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it couldn't have happened. Well, I think it's also very kind of like up and down, isn't it? That last season when they won the league, there was times when Stones was getting absolutely lauded and then there was times in the first season when he was getting slagged as well, wasn't it? So yeah. he seems to be a very up and down centre. I think what Stones are searching for and, and Pep obviously as well yeah. is consistency with mm. him, isn't it? That's Phil saying. You know, if he did come back to Everton one day, which would be a brilliant move, yeah. I think there's no reason why. And, and, and again, as Phil says, you know, you look at Keane's progression and, and a few others and, you know, I think... Yeah, it is just, again, even with Silver, it's, it's just about getting consistency, isn't it? Yeah. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Before we move on to uh, talking about the game and, and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, a brief mention for somebody who can't play tomorrow, ineligible to face his parent club, <laughs> forgotten in the discussions about returning players, Mo Besic. Oh. He's at Sheffield United, isn't he, on loan this season? Um, turned down a move to Fulham, which I believe was a permanent move. Just didn't want to play in the Championship, insisting on playing at the highest level possible. Um, what do you think about Mo, you know, in terms of, why is it not worked as we'd hoped at Everton? quite surprised in the summer when the under-23s played a pre-season game at Chorley and, and I went down and I could see the players warming up and I was like who's that absolute tank with the tattoos in, in, in the middle and, and realised the Bessis should kind of after not really kind of appearing in much of the first team kind of media shots of the of the pre-season training that he just kind of turned up on this Tuesday night in Chorley to play with the under-23s and, and after the game when I asked David Unsworth about it he said you know he came to me and he said I, I want to play you know I want to get minutes under my belt and I think Unsworth said it was a credit to him, you know, for wanting to wanting to play and, and keep improving himself. So, you know, certainly he's got, from what you're saying there as well, he's got this ambition to play in the Premier League and he fancies himself to, to play in the Premier League and he, he seems committed to, to this career and, and his football career. I don't think he's... Is he misguided to believe that he can operate in the Premier League? I, I don't... I just don't think we we ever seen enough of him in it or enough enough of a run that wasn't kind of interrupted through injury or, or not being selected to to say yes or no on that. I'd probably lean to, more towards no. But at the same time, then you look at a player who, you know, was outstanding against Lionel Messi and, and has been outstanding against Gareth Bale. You know, I think he's probably the only player in the Everton team who's got YouTube compilations did, dedicated to him. Did that great him. job on Yaya Toure in the first leg of the League no, Cup, exactly. didn't he? And, and again, like all the players we've kind of spoke about today, you know, it's a bit of a theme, isn't it? Your uh, your Luckmans and your Holgate and and Bessage from that game. I think, especially that yeah, 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 that's all you one that you mentioned, Phil. I remember speaking about it with my mates and saying, "Oh, this will be the game now. We'll kick on. We finally kind of figure them out, and and he'll go on to to reach new heights." And he was just always threatening to do it, and and then at the last moment he'd get dropped or he'd lose his form or he'd get injured, and and it's frustrating. And it's probably frustrating now that he's gone to Sheffield United and, and still isn't getting a look in, but central midfield in the Premier League, he's going to get a chance. And, and to be honest, I think Bessage is a, a likeable enough character and a quirky enough character that it'd be nice to see him succeed and, and, and eventually get a move because he, I certainly don't think he has a he has a future at Everton, but it would generally be interesting to see him get a, a stretch of games at Sheffield United and, and see how he gets on. I think, I think kicking on was probably the the key phrase that you've used there because, you know, after his first move to, uh, on loan to Middlesbrough, mm. you know, they were absolutely raving about him and, you know, they were raving about him for all the reasons that Everton fans were raving about him for the first few months that he was there. You know, he was tenacious. He was, you know, not scared of a tackle. He was energetic in that midfield and he's obviously got some quality on the ball as well. And, you know, Middlesbrough fans were loving that. And then he met, went on loan again for a full season next time and he just didn't kick on like it did like the good feeling kind of faded away in a very similar fashion as it did at Goodison Park and it's it just like there's not there's nothing really tangible that you can point to and say yes that's the reason like apart from maybe injuries maybe yeah I think they, like I that, think they've played an issue definitely but it played a part. like that um, like that wasn't the case at Middlesbrough he was actually he, yeah. was, he was fairly mm. fit for uh, during his time at Middlesbrough but again like form just kind of tapered off a little bit and you know that that's what makes me think you know if he couldn't if he couldn't get consistent game time and really make a name for himself in the championship what makes him think that he can 
make it make that step up in the Premier League. And you know, fair play to him for wanting to to give it his all and give it a go at Sheffield United. But I think he's only had a League Cup appearance so far for them this season. And to be honest, I'd be I'd be I'm not sure where this his Premier yeah, League yeah. chance is going to come for them in, unless they do get some sort of injuries. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'd be a little concerned if I were him, to be honest. Yeah. 50 games in five years, mm. Besic, you know. Um, I think injuries is, mm. is, is one, you know, the primary factor. But I always found him as a player very ill-disciplined. Yes. I mean, he sort of set the set the tone for his Everton career. I think it was in his first touch against Chelsea, but it was a bad oh, back pass God. and Chelsea scored. Yeah. And sort of... Um, <laughs> the other one I always of... remember from him is when we played West Ham in that kind of infamous one at Goodison. The, when the FA Cup game? The no, the one we were 2-0. Oh, the 3-2. Yeah. And he was yeah. playing pretty well, but when it was 2-0, I think he won the penalty. He did. And he started celebrating in front of the Gladys Street yeah. because he won the penalty. And I remember saying to me, mate, I said, why did you celebrate before we've even took the pen? We'll clearly miss this pen now. And we did. And we yes. I mean, I would blame Ron more for the pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would. But then you've also got to think, he's jinxed it, hasn't he? Well, <laughs> it's a real yeah, life yeah. thing. So, so, so Bess has got the, Martin as the sack, yeah. wasn't it? That was the game, wasn't it? That was the game. But no, I think Bess, it's, I mean, this is where some of the thinking of the club, I'm not entirely saying, we gave him another contract, didn't we? We did. Yeah. So he's contracted to us till 2021. This contract doesn't run out next year, is it the following yeah, year? Yeah, I think you're right. So we've gone for two more years, and I just sometimes some of the things that what managers do with contracts and stuff baffle me. And I think Adam's point about you know his loan the championship. I think that's good if you're like a young player, like like Holgate, something to prove and make a name for yourself. But with Bessie, she's played in the World Cup. I think initially you probably get game time, you get a little bit of you know you probably enjoy that. But when you're playing at that level for the entire season, you're probably demotivated, doesn't it? When you've played at a high level for quite a bit of your yeah. career, and I would imagine that's what's happened in Middlesbrough last year. But he's certainly got no no future at Everton, has it? By the looks of it, and um, fit or unfit, and it's one of them. You know, when we look about what's gone wrong since the Moyes era, you know, you, that, that would be the way. We have managed players and brought in players. Bessage would be a prime example of that, wouldn't he? Yeah, indeed. You know, what well, from Martin is scouting them while working as a BBC Sport well, pundit. Well, well, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, I always argue that all the work Moises' like legacy at Everton was destroyed by Martinez in one summer in 2014. When he uh, disappeared to the World Cup for five weeks, he ended up coming back with a shambolic pre-season, no fixtures, and, and looked totally off the pace in the first. Was, that the, was that the season we played Paderborn? In was, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we Chris Long, no? indeed. Yeah, We wanted, we wanted to, what was it? We wanted to play two games at Goodison, didn't we? Found out we couldn't play under Premier League rules. Two home games, ended up playing a home game at Penton Park, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. And it was a shambles that season, and all that good work he'd done in the previous year. And I, I built building on Mo, Moise's years. He, he completely ruined it. And after that, it was it was it was a downward path for him, wasn't it? Okay, indeed. Yes. Uh, moving on. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin scores a goal um, on his return to the starting lineup, and yet seems to probably get more stick than ever before. <laughs> um, the crazy world of being Everton's number nine strikes again. Um, why does why does Dominic divide opinion? As much as he seems to amongst the fan base, because he's not consistent enough, I think is the is the main issue. It was a really weird, like backwards sort of performance for him against uh, Bournemouth because usually we see him play quite well in terms of like his build up play and energy and everything, but he doesn't get on the score sheet. 
But this time, I don't think he necessarily played well in terms of his build-up play. I don't think he held up the ball well enough. And I think ultimately that's why he was brought into the team to be that physical presence, win those aerial battles. I think he was just dropping off far like too much and he wasn't he wasn't present for those aerial battles enough. But ultimately, he got himself on the score sheet. He did, he did he, well. He can't he did win, well. can he? Because well, that's it. Like, everybody's saying he's not scoring enough goals. He gets back in the team, he scores yeah. a goal. And and it's, you know, I'm, I'm playing sort of devil's advocate, you know, he must be he must be as frustrated as, as a lot of us are, I guess, in that respect. I'm not saying, look, and I agree, his performance generally mm-hmm. was not very good. Mm-hmm. But I then stri- strikers are judged on goals, we're told. So it's the, it's, That's the main worry, though, isn't it? That, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of think about, think about it in this context of being a young striker trying to, like, kind of make your way in the Premier League. But you kind of think he's... Right now, he, he's in the worst possible situation of that. He's got pressure on him in terms of we've just signed this kind of new, exciting, young 19-year-old striker from Juventus who everyone wants to see, you know, and has looked quite sharp in his first few games. He's also got the pressure on him of, you know, OK, he scored last weekend, so, but he scored one goal since March in the Premier League. And then on the other hand, you kind of, you know, so he's fighting for his place. He, he's not scoring goals. He probably then is thinking... Do I play my natural game, which is to go and win my battles and run the channels and, and be a nuisance? Or do I just kind of loiter around the box and try be and score goals? Because that's what yeah. people are kind of saying of me. And, and then you do wonder, you know, does that kind of... I'm not sure how much kind of influence social media does actually have on players, whether they read it, but it seems kind of unavoidable, doesn't it, that you, that you do see some things. It's, it's kind of just thinking for a young player, he, he is kind of getting to that point now where... I just don't know where the kind of leads leads for him unless he does have kind of some remarkable turnaround of of scoring and, and, and gets on a run and, and, and proves us all wrong. It's difficult not to see him now as just someone who kind of is thrown on us and, and impacts him. And it's difficult to see how it's got to this this point so quickly and maybe it is a, an Everton thing at the moment. But you look back to those wins over Arsenal and Chelsea and the draw against Liverpool in that last season, he, he was kind of integral to us in, in the way Absolutely. that he mm. played. And, and now you almost think, it, I don't. you just don't want to be too critical, do you? Because he's because he's a young player, but it is just so hard. And I do genuinely feel sorry for him because he's, an, he's, a, he's a good young lad and he's a nice young lad. And he has got attributes that, that make him a presence in the game. And, and as we've seen, he's made top-level centre-halves have off days. You know, I even think... You know, he gave Virgil a really hard time in the derby last season, which you don't see many people do. But you, you're just thinking now that that Bournemouth game, I just think it's so concerning for a striker to score a goal. But in my opinion, was still one of the players that, that struggled that afternoon and, and didn't come out the game with any kind of shining credit to his name. Well, let's 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 talk about. There was two questions that were put on the. Um live Q&A that, that we did this earlier this week on the site. One was, can Dominic Calvert-Lewin become a 20-goal-a-season striker? And the second one, um, a reader submitted a question saying that, actually, Umani Ass's goals-to-games ratio is better than Calvert-Lewin's. I think we should play Nias over Calvert-Lewin. We'd be better. It came from somebody called Only Ass, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's their Twitter handle, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but of all the, yeah, if all the, all the questions that were put, 
onto the uh, uh, submitted and, and we answered. They were the two that created the most debate. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Dominic. Yeah, he's sort of the unfortunate four guy, which young younger players tend to be, don't they? Just that's just the fact of life that's been going on for you know forever but, in but football. Mo- Moise Keane, who's younger, there th- th- feels like there's a greater will him to succeed at the stage and I may be misreading the, the temperature he hasn't that. played a lot I mean Dominic if Dominic plays tomorrow it's his 100th Everton game yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 goals you think I'm not 20, 100 starts 22 how many starts 100 starts and maybe 50-50 something like that um, to me I think he yeah physically you know he, he, he sort of made it difficult last year but ultimately he's judged on goals and he, he doesn't he's never really displayed to me the natural attributes of a striker you know, sometimes the ball's played across the six-yard box, and he stands in standing at the, the penalty spot, and you know, yeah. you, you know, like that goal poacher that you want your striker to be in. He doesn't never give never gives that impression to me of, of being that type of type of striker, and that's the uh, that's the problem you've got because if he's your number nine, and we're not, and, and, and what's made it worse is for him is apart from Sigurdsson and Richarlison, we haven't got any goal scorers anyway. So it's not as if other players are scoring goals. That should that you should expect your centre forward to go, you know, to do. Mm. And I think he, he's also bearing the brunt of that fact that is that we, we've got them. stats show that if the Charleston Sigerson don't score, then we won't score. Yeah. And so he, he's he was also, the third highest score in the league last season for us, wasn't he? He was six. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think he, it's also that fact to consider. And he, he do, I, I really like him as a player, I like his attributes. But ultimately, you're going to be judged in scoring goals. And he starts in midfielder, didn't he? He did. Albert Lewin. I'll be it. Sheffield, United. Sheffield United, yeah. United, yeah. 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 Um, I think he looks like he starts in midfielder and move up front. I think I'm not sure whether you've got the the um, the goal poaching sort of skill, as you would call it. I just, and I just wonder whether, and certainly you would find it difficult to envisage under this manager, certainly. Do you think that he's actually better? He would be better suited, more appreciated if he was playing as part of a two. Pop, you know, doing doing the the work and yeah. pr- and probably ending up with a hat full of assists every season if he's if he's got a strike partner with him. Possibly, yeah. But again, you know, it's, it's not the way we play, and it's not the way we are going to play. Is it? Doesn't and seem it, like that now. And I think the other difficult position that Silver is now in is that one, he is not the kind of player that he's so good and, and there's no disrespect but he's not so good that you have to build your team around him mm-hmm. and play it too and then the other thing is that Silver obviously you know he's, he's, he's not under any pressure per se at the moment but you know he obviously knows he needs results and and he, you know we, we, we've invested a, a fair amount in him and, and gave him a fair amount to invest in the playing squad so he, he knows he needs results and now he puts himself in a pretty hard position by picking Calvert Loon, doesn't he? But, but if Calvert Loon starts on the weekend, people are obviously going to be thinking, well, "Why isn't Moise Keane starting?" You know, it seemed like he shot himself a little bit in the foot by picking them last weekend. So, you know, I, I would kind of like to see Calvert Loon given a go in a two. And you know, I, I disagree with kind of any with, with Gav's thing of saying the, the will to see Moise Keane succeed is greater because. You know, there was a lot of love for Calvert. That was that was my that was my point. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. My vehicle team will be in touch over the weekend. We can't get through a podcast without you two having a. No, 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 yeah. no, no, yeah. no. And then that was just me. taking a feel of what I sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that still 
you know, the, there was a lot of goodwill towards Calvert Lewin last season, and, and I think a lot of so, people, so why is it why is it because, feel like it's not there at the same level after five games of the season? Because he's, he's not scoring goals, is he? I think that's what people were saying last season. He's influenced. But then he wasn't. In, he hadn't scored since March. I know, but the thing was that this season, and again, it's, it's kind of been the theme of this podcast, wasn't it? Kick, kicking on that 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 was what we needed at the time. He kind of ruffled yeah. people up, and he, and he helped us to win those games. But then. He's been handed the number nine shirt. He's playing up front. You know, we've seen at Crystal Palace on the opening day. There was a couple of little moments, you know, that, you know, your, your high-end striker scoring. Fair enough, he, he is only a young lad. It's, it's unfair to be kind of putting that on him. But but you do, at the end of the day, it, he has to start scoring goals at some point. Yeah. Can I just make a, another point about two points, if that's all right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The first point is, when you're saying about his good games, tend to be against the bigger teams. Yeah. When you're looking for your striker to hold, when you're not going to see much of the ball, so you want to rub the opposition up, yeah. and you, you know, looking for somebody to hold the ball up. Um, when you're playing, shall we say, teams outside the top six, when you're looking to your strikers to score goals, to 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 push on, that's where his natural instincts aren't there, is it? You know, so it, it's it, it's no mistake that he does play well against the. The bigger teams. The second thing is, I don't think you're playing four four two because I think one of them's got to be a central striker who can score goals up front, which obviously he struggles with. And the other striker tends to be more of a creator. Okay. And so I don't think he's a he's a natural creator. So I don't think he's working as a two. Um, there can't be too many more yeah. proficient young headers of the ball in the Premier League. No, no, Five of his last seven league goals have been yeah, headers and great headers as well. Like yeah. really, you know, spring spring spring. Springing up in the air and stuff, but I don't think uh, I don't think he, he it's that natural instinct for me, you know, uh, that's lacking. And he's another one, isn't it? That the time is running out for him. No, at twenty-two, is that? Well, I said tonight at the start of the season that the players he bought in the summer, Davis and Calvert Lewin, that the, the ball silver ball players in their positions. Yes, and that I couldn't see them getting much. You know, unless these plays really well, I couldn't see them getting much game time. And I would expect at some point to be a very difficult conversation with both players and the management. Th- do you not think, though, with Moyes Keane, there's a huge amount of expectation and hope on him. But ultimately, he's 19 years old. He will be up and down in form. Surely the pattern you would expect reasonably to assume this season will be those two will fairly regularly interchange in the starting lineup. I expect Keane to play tomorrow. But next time we go away from home, Burnley... Might maybe not a great example, but you know, against a tougher sort of opposition, Burnley obviously, yeah, yeah. with the greatest respect, Calvert Lewin back in. Do you, uh, do, or do you not? Does, do you not agree with that? Nineteen. I think. I, mean. I think the, the interchangeability. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. In in the sense that we haven't got these these options. You know what? You know what? what Calvert Lewin, as we said, against a tough team, especially away from home, we're not going to see the ball too much. Is it too much to expect at this stage for Moyes Keane to go and lead the line? It's what I'm saying, and there's, there's plenty of those those games where yeah. that will be asked of the of the striker, the, whoever the, it is. I think all I'll say is from what little we've seen of Moyes Keane so far, it looks like whenever he's whenever he picks up the ball. He's looking to cause defenders problems. Oh, no he's doubt. Looking, yeah, he's looking yeah. to run at defenders. He's looking to put them in positions that they don't want to be in. Calvert Lewin doesn't do that often yeah. enough for me personally. Like I'd like, I'd like to see him do that a little bit more because he's got all the physical attributes to be able to do that. And I, I, and I really do think it's just because you know maybe it goes back to what Gav was saying before that him starting off as a midfielder. I do, I do think he drops back that little bit too much. I don't think he occupies the two centre backs as much as he really needs to in the way Silver plays. But I think the the thing that 
is helping Moise Keane a lot at the minute is just that little bit of the unknown. The unknown is, yeah. ex- is exciting oh, at the absolutely. end of the day. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ever, 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 like Everton fans have got every right to be excited about Moyes Keane because from what everything that we've heard from his time at Italy, he's a he's a wonder kid and he's one of the hottest prospects in Italian football. And Everton fans quite rightly want to see that, you know, realised in the Premier League. And the only way he's going to realise that is if he's starting games. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him start... Uh, tomorrow against Sheffield United and you know fingers crossed he scores but I don't think even if he does score that that'll ultimately no. that'll ultimately mean the end for Calvert-Lewin because as as you're you're quite rightly saying there are get different games where you'll need a different sort of striker oh. and I think Calvert-Lewin like I, I understood what Silva was doing when he when he dropped Keane and put Calvert-Lewin in for that Bournemouth game because yeah. he was meant to be you know that sort of aerial threat that sort of bigger bigger presence yeah. to be able to battle those two centre backs. He didn't I don't think he did his job well enough to justify yeah. his his inclusion into the team. Granted he scored, but I don't think the role that he played I don't think he achieved the role that he was meant to be playing in that game. But I I completely understand the reasoning behind it and I think he will go get those chances again before the season's over. There's the other option of playing with Charleston centre, isn't there? There is. And Schenk Tosin. <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got other options he's there. Proven he? in the international break, he's yeah. a finisher. Yeah. He, he he is the goal poacher that Calvert Lewin isn't. Yeah. And you know we haven't really seen enough of Moise yeah. Keane to be able to yeah. say whether he is or not. But you know, get the ball to the to the box yeah. to Cenk Tosin, and I'd I'd trust him to have the composure to either as he did against Lincoln, head it back across mm. goal for somebody else to score or put it in the back of the He's net. He's got a lot more experience, hasn't he? Indeed, yeah. Okay, motoring on uh, for the final point before we do the customary <laughs> predictions. Um, as I mentioned, Chelsea, impressive win at Wolves last weekend. Uh, Mount, Tamori and Abraham, you know, all academy players on the score sheet. Uh, Arsenal, of course, an impressive victory in the Europa League at Frankfurt on Thursday evening with some young players in the team. Um, is there any th- prospect, any hope that we will see any of, of Everton's emerging talents get an opportunity anytime soon. Do we think you two guys were at Goodison on Monday? I mean, I mean, the obvious one is Anthony Gordon. He seems the closest of anybody. If, well, and Lewis Gibson, of course. But. Like what we were talking about on Monday was it was really interesting to see Gordon playing through the middle. Yeah. Like, well, he started through the middle at the yeah. very least, and that was really intriguing to me because I've I've personally never really seen him play as a striker anymore. But he's like he seemed to fit into that role really well. You know, he seems to be filling out as a player, which is what which is, you know, what you need as a young player really. You know, you need to have that sort of strength if you're gonna stand like make your way forward into the senior side. I think there's a lot of a lot of promise around Anthony Gordon. I'm excited whenever I watch him play. And as you say, Lewis Gibson, you know, he's He's essentially Everton's fourth choice centre back at the minute. Yeah, well, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, again, I thought he put in another impressive performance on Monday, and you know, there's nothing to suggest to me that he couldn't. Step just, up just, just thinking, it's obviously a hugely important game on Tuesday in the cup. Any threat that that Gordon could be involved? Uh, no, but just because I think the attacking options, do you know. Probably the way, you know, at the moment Theo Walcott is, is missing out on squads and Cenk Tosin is missing yeah, out on yeah. squads. I think yeah. that the thing that holds Gordon back there is, you know, you see other times when you know, Rooney probably would have came through regardless, but, you know, your Anachibis and your Vaughns, people who kind of made an impact at the time was because we were kind of 
low on stock per se in, in terms of we didn't have the other options. I think you know it'd be a, probably be a difficult conversation enough for Silver telling Theo Walcott he hasn't made the squads without saying and we're taking this eighteen uh, year old kid to us <laughs> instead. So you know I think as Adam saying I think the exciting thing about Gordon is he's got something that certainly since I've been watching done twenty three years for the last two or three seasons got something that probably no one else has had. He's just got that nice little touch, a little turn of speed. He's got good footwork and, and he does look like. An exciting young player who, who could have something different that we haven't seen, uh, a profile that we haven't seen come through the academy in what now seems like a long time. So, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a kind of Chelsea Arsenal style three, four, five lads in, in the team anytime soon because it's getting more and more difficult to be like that. And, and we stockpile on signings, and the, obviously, you know, the club searching for success are probably more willing to go out and spend 30 million on a centre back than they are to give. Lewis or, or Morgan ago and, and whether that's right or not, you know, is, is obviously down to everyone's taste. But yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to maybe maybe we are now even too far into the Carabao Cup. We'd probably have to be quite fortunate to beat Sheffield Wednesday and get a home tie against could, against a lower where you could throw Anthony yeah. in and maybe give him a go. So it might be either an FA Cup third round or more towards next season. But you know, it'll be an interesting one to see now how the club manage him because if he keeps performing the way he has done at the start of the season then more and more people are going to be talking about him and more and more people are going to be wondering about him, especially if the results mm. don't go our way. So watch this space. It's probably certainly Gordon. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll agree with that. I mean, I think the, the problem you've got is it's all right bringing youngsters in at Chelsea where they've got like top-class players yeah. there as well. Who you know, We've got like a lot of the senior players in our team are struggling for form at the moment. The last thing you want to do is introduce a couple of youngsters, you know, regardless how good they are. Because you can disrupt things. You gotta have to introduce a group of youngsters into your team, you gotta have the senior players who are all top senior players all playing well. So I can't see it happen happening really. And I think the Carabao Cup is such an important game for us on uh, yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. I can't see it happening there. Maybe the FA Cup third round. I think maybe you know, the Europa League gets a bit of stick, but the one thing you can do in the group stage is if you get points on the Spend board early on, you give you an advantage, you know, an opportunity to play a couple of younger players in the final, you know, two or three group games. I think that's one of the downsides of not being in, in Europe. But it's got, I can only say what's got said a million times before on this is that 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 academy to senior level Premier yeah. League football is such a difficult jump. It's impossible jump, I'd say. And you can't do it while you progress from 18 to 21. You've got to do it when you're 17, 18. Yeah. If you don't do it then, then it's very difficult for you to to, to uh, make the jump for many, many different reasons. Okay, pack tons in there. Uh, so just before we sign off for this second Royal Blue Podcast of the Week, um, predictions time. Adam, uh, Everton versus Sheffield United tomorrow. What's your prediction? Uh, I think it's going to be close, but... Oh, I don't like that. I, I hope we'll keep a clean sheet. So I'm going to go 2-0. Sam? 4-2, Evan. 4-2? 4-2, wow. It's going to be... Goal fest. We're not keeping a clean sheet, are we, let's be honest. And, <laughs> but I think we'll we'll come away with the win. I think last goal will just be Richarlison, Nutmeg and Jags and slide them on the bottom. <laughs> Gav, Sheffield United have been solid on, on their yeah, travels. Yeah, I believe couple, so, couple yeah, yeah. Appointed yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Point way, I've been Sheffield United 4-2 in the Premier League, Goldison. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Gav. Yeah, yeah. Obviously done his research <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very good. Not uh, just a pretty face on this podcast, mate. Yeah, You're not even a pretty face. Yeah, <laughs> That's debatable. Um, <laughs> no, I, I haven't been a totally like little bit of a darker podcast. I've got to go with a nice 2-0 win. 
yeah. a clean sheet. Yeah, I think 2-0 clean sheet, yeah. I think, I think, I think I if agree. you play to our abilities, and I think last week, hopefully there's a few bums getting kicked at the Nisab Belfield again there. But we're a different beast at Goodison though, aren't we? It's, it's, yeah. it's infuriating. Yeah. That's a pod in itself, I, by the way. But oh, oh, yeah. I've got a nice stat there about that too for that pod. But, um, <laughs> We uh, we train the Finch farm and play at Goodison now. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been talking about the 60s so much in interviews over the last few weeks, I've now decided we're now playing back at Belfield again. You, know? <laughs> you can, uh, by the way, you can listen to this special podcast we recorded with uh, Gav uh, yesterday. That'll be over the weekend sometime where we talk about. And it's very good. It's it very is. Good. Talk about his new mo- uh, money can't buy his love. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, chaps, for your company. Remember, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Acast app. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.